live from the Finley Toyota ESPN Las Vegas studios. He does have a tricky body. He does. He doesn't look like, okay, look at if If that guy's walking down the street, you have no idea who he is. I don't know if you're saying, yeah, he's the best quarterback in the world. This is the Press Box. So our tricky body list is James Harden and Patrick Mahomes. And now Patrick Mahomes runs kind of fun. With Graney and Bischoff. Yeah. Oh, and uh, Travell Beck. Turbo Beck's body is not tricky. We know exactly what Turbo Beck's body is. It is not tricky in any way, not at all. That is a complete lie. Stop trying to put Turbo Beck in that category. On ESPN Las Vegas. All right, here we go. It's a Thursday. Ed, Tyler, Lindsay running the show. A lot of good guests forward. Jeff Erickson, Darren Millard, even Starkus is going to be a little early this week. Have you ever quit a job after six weeks? I'll tell you a story. I had a job for an hour. Oh, all right. So I was in San Diego. Not even six hours. All right, no, one hour. I was yes. in San Diego. I might have told you this before. I had I wanted a job at the newspaper. I was in college. They had these 30-hour week part-time jobs, high school, you know, p- taking the scores and all that. But I hadn't gotten a call back. I needed a job to pay rent, so I got hired at Foot Locker. Foot Locker, back in the day, you had to wear the... Uh, the ref jersey, the ref jersey yeah. with the black they pants. St- they still you do that, still right? I was going to say, I think oh, they still, still have to. That, that is enduring. Yeah. So I went and picked up my jersey, got the black pants, got the black uh, tennis shoes, was supposed to start a training program at 4 p.m. on a given day. I had picked up my stuff that earlier that day, and at about 3, the sports editor of the paper calls and says, yeah, you're, we're going to hire you. Uh, needless to say, I didn't sell one one pair of Nikes. <laughs> Did you keep the ref jersey? No, no. Oh, you, you it could have been a Halloween costume. Uh, no, I, no, I didn't want to do that. So I had it for about an hour. The look on the guy's face, like, didn't you just come in and get the shirt? <laughs> He's like, I'm like, yeah, I just came in, but I got a better gig. So uh, I got a better that. gig. I don't have to wear a ref jersey. No, at this I do not job. have to wear a ref jersey at the new job. And that was it. <laughs> Newspapers ever since. Oh, Ed could have been a footlocker oh, manager. I could have been, exactly. I could have elevated myself to manager at one point. Oh, that would have been pretty fun. We Got missed out. Discount on Nikes and discount on all kinds of shoes. That would have been fun. Big we business missed, these days, too. missed out. Now you're right for a newspaper? That's no fun. It can be. You could it have been wearing be. the ref jersey. Blowing the whistle at yes. little kids. Oh, I could have been you with. Been I could have been you with little kids. Like, get off real, of there! Give you a real whistle? Don't t- no. I don't think you get. Oh, whistle. that'd be great. <laughs> no, no, Metal whistle or plastic one? It makes a difference. Exactly. That's right. I could have brought my own. Just running around blowing the whistle yeah. in kids' ears, trying to get them the hell out of the store. Let's Wrong go. size. <laughs> Tyler would have had some kind of age age limit to come oh, in and buy shoes. Yes, absolutely. Under under twelve, get out of the store. With the even with the parents? No, nah, yeah, get out of the store. Yeah, they can wait outside. Parents come in and shop for them. <laughs> I feel like you need to have a high level integrity to work for shoe stores these days because I feel like there's a lot of people trying to get like the latest Jordans, the whatever. Like, would you guys take money to set some boxes to the side, you know, conveniently for some oh, customers? If I work at Foot Locker, of I'm course. just saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds about of right. Sounds about right. What are they going to do? Fire me from Foot Locker? On brand. Take yes. away your whistle. I oh, no, ah. whistle? Uh oh. <laughs> Of I think course. I would have been fired. Yes. I'd set them aside for some extra cash. Uh, of you, course. You ever quit something in six weeks? I don't think so. No, not a job. No, I've not not in an hour either. So, <laughs> so maybe I should be the next prime minister in exactly. uh, the UK. I'll, I'll last seven. Probably weeks. qualified. We'll get there. Seven weeks. The first bite. Do the Raiders regret giving Darren Waller a contract extension? Mm. The hamstring. Uh-oh. 
out yesterday. Uh-oh. Street closed by the locker. Uh-oh. Not knowing when he's going to come back. So Darren Waller doesn't practice yesterday. He heard his hamstring against Kansas City. I think it was six snaps he played in yeah. that game against the Chiefs. Um, Raiders have a bye week after Kansas City, and in the first practice that the media can see, once they come back from that bye, Darren Waller is not out there. Josh McDaniels did say he was hopeful or was asked if he was hopeful, and he said yes uh, to Darren Waller being able to play, but also hedge that with that's not a prediction uh, as to whether or not Darren Waller would play. So, so far this season, Darren Waller has 16 catches for 175 yards, one touchdown, uh, in five games, four games technically. He is the 28th highest graded tight end by pro football focus, but the contract the Raiders gave him, they, he could have played this year uh, for what was it? Seven or $8 million, $7 million. And it was non-guaranteed, but it could have been seven or $8 million. And the next year, basically the same thing. It was seven point something right. the, the next season as well. All of it, not guaranteed, but the Raiders did give him a new contract. You got a three-year extension. Uh, 19 million is now guaranteed, which is all of this season. And then most of next season as well. So basically they're tied to Darren Waller for at least this season and next season. And that's it. After that, they can get out of that contract relatively easy. So, are they going to regret tying themselves to Darren Waller for this season I mean, and next season when they didn't have to? I don't know if I want to say that yet. I don't know if I want to say that they completely regret tying him to the deal just yet. Um, he is there. I do think, though, and the question's down here, I do think they need him in the offense. So wasn't he? He was the three-headed monster, and only one of the heads have been playing. Was supposed to be, yeah. So that's the curious part about when we talk about what this offense is the rest of the season. Coming into the year, it was all about Carr throwing to Adams, Renfro, and Waller, and Waller. right? That was sort of the yep. big three. That was where they spent their money. That's where we thought this offense was going to thrive. Obviously, the offensive line was going to have to figure things out, but that's where we thought it was going to thrive. After five games, the offense looks like it's at its best when they give Josh Jacobs the ball yes. 37 times, times a game, and not when they throw the ball. So... If we're trying to figure out what this offense is going to be the rest of the season, what we've seen so far would suggest Darren Waller in the passing game isn't that important. They can turn and hand the ball off, and that's going to be their key to success. But I don't think they're winning very many games if their game plan is simply let's run Josh Jacobs as much as possible. No, they're going to run him into the ground. Right. And I just don't think they're going to win a right. lot if the plan is give him 25 no, carries. Eventually the passing going to game. figure that out. Right. And the passing game is just average in the deep because the defense isn't good enough. If they had a great defense, right. then maybe, but the defense isn't good enough right. to say, Hey, we're just going to run, run the, ball the ball and win. So I think they need Darren Waller to be, you know, Darren what Waller. Darren Waller was in the past. But my big fear I don't know if Darren Waller's ever going to be that elite tight end again. Again? Like, is he ever going to be that? He was, and then last year, right? He gets hurt. He had the IT band, the hip injury. Yeah, right? the one thing we didn't realize we had in our bodies. Right. He has this <laughs> IT band injury. We didn't know we had that. And then, Holy hips will teach you that. <laughs> and then comes into this season, there's this mysterious hamstring injury in training camp. Was it real? Was it a hold in? Whatever. But now he's got it again. He already hasn't been good when healthy so far this season. He's had a few drops. I don't know that Darren Waller is going to be that high-end tight end ever again. Did the hamstring now change your mind on whether it was a hold-in? 
because it was a hamstring then. So I think it's I I honest because he's not holding in now. Right. I think it was a little bit of both. Did Darren Waller have some sort of hamstring strain or whatever? I'm sure he did in the preseason. Did Darren Waller milk that into not showing up to practice because he didn't have a contract? I'm maybe I'm a sure convenient he did that truth. as well. Right. Yeah. Like I, I I believe both things to be true. That he probably had something wrong, but he turned that into, well, I'm gonna exploit this as much as I possibly can. I Which think, I don't blame him for, but I, I think that's the reality. I don't know if he's ever gonna get the opportunity to be that again because wasn't he basically Derek Carr's security blanket? Right. He was out yeah. there the most yeah, consistently. And now you have, you know, yeah. Buddy from from college. From you got Devontae. You got um what's his face in the slot? Hunter Renfro. Hunter Renfro. When he's healthy. Uh, exactly. And then you got Josh Jacobs. So it's like I don't know if he's going to get that opportunity to even work himself into the lather that allowed him to ascend to that elite tight end status. And so if you go back and look at the front office decision here, I think the, they regret it. In the, in the preseason, I said I wouldn't have given him a new contract. If I were the Raiders, I would have. No, exactly. You would have right. made him play it out because had, he had no leverage. Right. You had him for two years. And just when you're looking at roster building and a salary cap and where you spend your money, it's not generally that smart to give three different pass catchers big paydays, right? right? Mm-hmm. Normally, you right. honestly, you only want to give one a big payday and then find some cheap guys that are on rookie deals or whatever. But, you know, if they had Adams and Renfro's isn't that big of a deal. But if they had Adams and Renfro, no, I think Renfro's paid, is a guaranteed of 11. Right. It's not that big. But no. Adams and Renfro and then your third option is a rookie or whatever. That's a better way to build a roster, regardless of how good Darren Waller was going to be. But then on top of that, He's older than the other two, and he's already he's been not shown signs of injuries. Right. Like, I don't know if they would say it. I don't know if they like think it right now, but I don't think after this year and next season, we're looking back at that Darren Waller extension is a good thing. I think we're looking back at it saying they kind of wasted some money there. They could have saved some money and and spent it elsewhere or like because that's the thing with Darren Waller. He said he wasn't going to miss games. He said he wasn't going. He didn't want to do the holdout right, and everything. Right. So. He had no leverage. The Raiders conceivably, he could be playing this year for Under that the seven million, million dollars, non guaranteed, right? And the Ra- I mean, listen, the Raiders, I think they would have they could have guaranteed paid him seven million, seven million, yeah. right? Like that's not a big deal. No. But he got more money and more guaranteed money on that deal. And I, I do think after next year is over, they're going to look back and say, "Oh, we didn't, we shouldn't have done that," and they're going to be trying to get out of his contract after the twenty twenty three season. But come on now, Foster Moreau's back. His knee's he fine. Is. Well, so here's the interesting part. If you look at this Raiders offense and what they've been trying to do. Run the ball. Darren Waller's a terrible blocker. Right. His, uh, there are 67 tight ends graded by Pro Football Focus. He's 57th in, in run, run blocking. blocking. Not good at all. Foster Moreau is a better run blocker than Darren Waller. Like Waller's never, that's never been his strength, right? He's been a... Pass catching tight. He's end. been a big receiver, right. is what he's been. Right. So if the Raiders' game plan is to line up and and give Josh Jacobs twenty six carries, maybe Darren Waller isn't as important as to Josh McDaniel's game plan. As Foster Morrow. Yeah, you might rather have Foster Morrow. I mean, hell, they went to Kansas City. They played with the sixth offensive lineman at tight end yeah. for most of that game. Yeah, because none of those guys were healthy. Right. Waller got hurt. Moreau was out, and I can't remember who was Jesper Horstead was the only yes. healthy tight end for the last three DJ. quarters of that game. And so they just put a sixth offensive lineman out there and said, all right, we're just going to let these six guys try to block and see where we go from there. So I think overall Waller, we're probably not talking about Waller as a top of the league tight end ever again. I just don't think that conversation is going to happen. And I think this front office is going to regret that because they paid him 
like he was well, top they, tight they end. paid him with the assumption that he was going to be the last two years when he wasn't hurt. Yes. And that seems foolish at this point, right? I mean, he's been hurt and hasn't been very good. I mean, what are the chances that he is a great tight end? Let's say he misses this week, but comes back for uh week seven. I mean, what are the chances he's just a great tight end the, the rest of the way? I mean, I don't think you can definitively say that because I don't know if he's ever going to be healthy. Right. I just don't think the chances are very high. I think it's like a 10% chance that we're talking about him as a top three tight end in the league at the end of the season. Where is he in pro football focus right now? Uh, what was that? 28th. Okay. Yeah. He's 28th highest graded pro uh, tight end. You had to focus. elevate yourself to three. Right. I just don't think we're doing that. I don't, I'd be surprised if we're talking about him as top 10. I'd say it's right. less than 50%. He's a top 10 tight end the rest of this season. And they're paying him like he's a what? Top five. Top five tight, tight end. end. And I just don't know that that actually happens. All right. Coming up next, we'll get into some baseball because somebody yeah. finally beat the Padres. Here it comes on two and two, and Manny swings, hits it in the air, deep to left center field. This one way back, good to go. On the ninth pitch of the at-bat, Manny Machado extends the lead. Eight to four, San Diego here in the seventh, his third home run of the postseason. We're back to the Press Box Morning Show with Ed Graney and Tyler Bischoff. How much of Padres Phillies are you watching, Ed? Uh, yesterday, kept track of it because I was out at the Raiders working. Ah, that's uh, right. But we had it on in the media room. Yes. So watched some of it there and then got home and watched the last about inning and a half. All right. So still watched it. Phillies go up 4 nothing in the top of the second. I was happy that. It is, it is like about to be 2 nothing. Phillies up 2-0 in the series going back going home, home for three straight. And then the Padres score eight unanswered runs. They had back-to-back home runs in the bottom of the second, then had uh, another big inning like they did against the Dodgers. They never hit Nola, and all of a sudden yesterday they hit him. They did, yeah. Came out of nowhere. So Padres and Phillies now tied one-to-one. My only disappointment, because um, I do want this series to go seven, just because it'll be fun. My only disappointment, though, is that the Padres came back to win, and we don't get to blame Juan Soto missing a fly yes, ball. Yes, in the sun. <laughs> That's awful. No idea. <laughs> Almost hit him in the head. <laughs> and he seemed to have it until the very last yeah, second. Then he kind of ducked away and from then it. hid from the sun. So, all right. Juan Soto turns 24 in five days. Is he going to be a full-time DH from his 25th yeah. birthday until he retires? I don't know. He's got a, he's got a cannon for an arm. I'm not sure. You know, I, I watched him with the Padres. I've got to tell you, and it's not just because it's the Padres. He hasn't hit well with them. He's like two something with the Padres. Have you watched him? Are you on the Juan Soto bandwagon of he's just this incredible player and he deserves over four hundred million dollars? And so whoever's going to sign him is going to have to pay him that. Because I've watched him a lot. Watched him on all the Dodger games. Watch have watched him during the playoffs. Uh, other than the two games I missed, because um, those <laughs> camping the two um, important ones, the two important ones. <laughs> but are you on his bandwagon like everyone like everyone else seems to be like he's just this can't miss player cuz I just I just I'm not seeing it. So to use I'll give you OPS plus stats uh 100 is league average. So anything above 100 is above average. So his first two years he was 142 OPS plus both years, 42% above average. That's very good, but that is not uh MVP level good. That's just a really good player. Uh, to use an Astros example, that's like Alex Bregman. So very good all-star level player, but not MVP. In 2020, the shortened season, when he did, uh, he had an OPS plus of 217. was okay. unbelievable. So that was unbelievable. Right. That's like that. If you do that, you're 
Like Aaron Judge, I think, was like 180, 190 this year. That's like unbelievable season. Then 2021 was 175. Very, very good. Very close to MVP levels uh, type numbers. But then this year, 149. Mm-hmm. So the question is... Maybe that's is, what I'm watching because I didn't watch many nationals. So I'm watching it this year. The question is... Is this season, is, is this a down year for Juan Soto? Because if, if 149 is a down year for Juan Soto, he's unbelievable and should get $450 million. If, if 149 is what he is the rest of his career, or obviously there'll be some drop off, but for the next eight years or whatever, then you could still argue he should get 400 million, but probably not. He's right. more Carlos Correa than he is, uh, you know, highest paid player in, in baseball type of guy. So it's really a question of, do you believe this was simply a down season for him? Or do you believe this is, you know, what he is, is. which is still an incredible player. He's an all-star player. I get that. I just, uh, I've watched enough of him since the deal was made. And maybe look, maybe it was because the deal was so hyped up that they were getting him, that this was, you know, and look at so far he's there in, there in the playoffs and this, you know, and, and, you know, maybe going to the world series. So I'm not saying it was a bad deal, but when the deal was made, they were getting Otani and Judge and everyone else put together, and I, right. I said ever since I watched him, I'm like, ah, is that really is that really that level a player? Yeah, his OPS plus with the pot just the Padres this year was 130. Yeah, which it, I watched a lot of those right. games, which is not what you think when you're getting Juan Soto. Juan Soto. So it just depends on do you believe this is the down year or do you believe this is who he is? And the good thing for the Padres is they've got a whole nother year. Well, they've got a year to, to gauge see. it. Yeah, before right. they'd ever because if him. next year, if his OPS plus next year is in the one forties, then this then, is probably just who he is. Right. If his OPS plus goes back up to one seventy one eighty, then he's going to get paid. Yeah. Then he's a superstar. he's going to get paid regardless. Right. So, but I think that's sort of the big question: is do you believe this is a down year or this is who he is? And we'll get another year to really get a good gauge on that. But he is so baseball savant tracks a stat called uh, outs above average. He is the worst fielder in baseball. Worst defensive outfielder in the sport. He's horrific That's, in the outfield. I mean, I saw yesterday, I, I've i seen him throw guys out, but in terms of judging fly balls, I, that still surprises me. I know he's not great, but the worst worst outfielder in baseball? He his So his outfielder jump, which is how quickly you move in the right direction on a fly ball, uh, 29th percentile, so bottom 30% of the league. His sprint speed, 32nd percent. Uh, so bottom 33% in the league. His arm strength is 56%, so above average, but right. nothing special. He's one of the worst fielders in the sport. And in all seriousness, he's 23 right now. Turns 24 in five days. If you're one of the worst fielders in the sport when you're 23, what are you going to be when you're 33? Right. Like, he might need to be a DH starting next season. What if he gets better, though? He can improve. He's, He's still young. He's been playing young. for like seven years. I know, but maybe once the prefrontal cortex finally solidifies, <laughs> it changes the way that he uh, gauges the ball off the bat. You never know. <laughs> He's too slow to improve. It's not like he's fast and just can't, can't, can't read it. the ball or just steps the wrong way. He's just already slow and can't read where the ball's going. So even if he started reading the ball better, he's still too slow to get anywhere. Like he's still like there was a foul pop up in right field last night that I think any other right fielder in the game would have gotten to and caught it. And he wasn't even close. Didn't he like didn't come within 20 feet of it. And I was like, he should have caught that. Right. So he's just not. I, I think you're having to DH this guy when he's 25 years old, which, again, there's a full time DH. That's so not the end of the world in right. baseball. Right. But to have a guy that's that young who 
should be a good... I mean, Jordan Alvarez is playing left field every day in the postseason. That, he's He's got a cannon of an arm, but he gets a bad jump and everything, too. But the Astros are perfectly fine with him in left field. He's significantly better than Juan Soto. Than Juan Soto. And that's just a big guy that they don't even want to play out there. So right. I think he's dh the rest of the time. Um, Can you imagine being a DH and getting the $400 million? Uh, It's a lot. <laughs> it's a lot for a DH. All right. In the ALCS, game one yesterday, um, this was a fun stat. The Yankees struck out 17 times. The Astros struck out twice. Uh, according to Slangs on Sports, it's the largest differential ever in a postseason game. The Astros also because they were drunk <laughs> from celebrating the <laughs> night before. That's why <laughs> they were still hammered. They said uh, they shouldn't do that. The part that I did enjoy from the Yankees, I think Aaron Boone kind of sort of punted uh, with his bullpen usage. So they got four. That's what a, you wanted them to do. You I, I wanted think them that to lay been, over. Well, they they did throw their fourth best starter. I wanted them to like add a guy from AAA to the roster and have that guy just pitch all nine innings yesterday. Just 150 pitches, whatever, dude. Just go do it. We're losing. But they used Jamison Tyon. He only gave up a run through four and a third. They didn't use their top two relievers, Clay Holmes, or two of their top relievers, Clay Holmes and Jonathan Weisga. He did end up using his most used reliever in the postseason, Wandy Peralta, in the bottom of the eighth inning. So he did end up using one of his main high leverage relievers. And I think Peralta's pitched in every single Yankee game in the postseason so far. But the guys he used in the fifth, sixth, and seventh innings were definitely sort of the low leverage. I mean, Frankie Montas was a starter they traded for who's in yeah, the bullpen. Frankie who Montas. Didn't, didn't pitch in the Seattle right. series, and he pitched in he this game. He gave up the homer to Pena, right? Yeah. So I think this was a not, not a complete punt, but I think it was, hey, um, You're probably not going to win. Right. Once the Astros took the 3 1 lead, right. I think it sort of became eh, maybe we shouldn't use any of our good relievers. He still used one. But I think some of that was, all right, we're probably not coming back to win this one. So we're striking out 17 times. I think the Yankees had more strikeouts than balls put in play. Combining outs and hits, I think they had more strikeouts than balls Two put in Two strikeouts play. for your Astros. Yeah, they're, they're good. It's, it's nice. The Astros won last night, and their four best hitters did not have a hit. Altuve, Alvarez, Bregman, and Tucker. None, none of them had a hit. They got a home run from their eight hitter, RBI double from their nine hitter, home run from their two hitter. Just take care of the pods for me. (laughs) Please. It's going to be great. All right. Coming up next, Jeff Erickson's going to join the show. If you've got fantasy football questions, you can text them to us. Our text line is 69187. Preface your message with ESPN. So type ESPN, whatever your fantasy football question is, and send it to 69187. Jeff Erickson from RotoWire is up next. He will answer your questions. It's we're in the process of working through that. It's not, it has nothing to do nothing. They're all captains, hundred percent. They're all captains. So it's just a it's a it's a thing with us in the league trying to get a color, and you know it's kind of above my head right now. So <laughs> leave it at that. It's the press box with Grainy and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas. The text line is 69187. If you have fantasy football questions for Jeff Erickson from RotoWire, we will ask them to him right now. Just send it to our text line, 69187. Make sure you type ESPN, whatever your message is, and then send it to 69187. Uh, good morning, Jeff. Hey, Jeff. Is uh, Tom is Tom Brady going to be any good the rest of the season? <laughs> good question. Um it's certainly been one of those like hung on for one year too long sort of feels to it so far, doesn't it? 
Uh, does it mean much for his receivers, or do you think they're going to be fine even if Brady is sort of just an average NFL quarterback? Uh, I don't know about fine. I mean, Mike Evans well, had four targets last week. I was really frustrated with that game because that was supposed to be a great matchup with uh, the, the Steelers missing a bunch of players, including Minka Fitzpatrick. Uh, I was told it was supposed to be a smash matchup there, and it wasn't. Um, I, you know, honestly, I it's hard to you know evaluate the whims. Uh, you know, when it when it there might be a mental slash emotional component. Um, I hate to try to predict the future on something like that. Um, same time, I mean, he's he's old enough. He, he he could be the ravages of time, and we see it all the time where our stars hang around that one year too long. Um, but. You know, I, I don't know. I don't know if it's that or not. It could be that he's adjusting to a new offensive line. He lost his center in training camp. You know, he, you know, these are all good reasons why. Um, I think, you know, he had two games prior to that that were pretty good fantasy-wise. So I, I still think that there's probably some reasonable reason for hope. I think he's even still a top-ten quarterback this week. Would you wait a week, uh, depending on who your other choice is on Tua? Like, where do you put Tua in your rankings, and do you have to wait a week just to see how he is? Oh, I think he's a top-ten quarterback this week as well. I mean, keep in mind, this is a tough bye week, probably the toughest bye week there's going to be. No Josh Allen, no Jalen Hurts, uh, no Kirk Cousins, no Matthew Stafford. One of these is not like the other, and it's surprising which one that is. But, um, you know, at the same time, these are all viable fantasy quarterbacks off the shelf. So when you think about that, they're in a uh, – 12-team league, you're really in a 16-team league this week in terms of quarterbacks. So, yeah, Tua certainly qualifies at that. I, I like the home matchup against Pittsburgh. I like that Miami throws the ball a lot. They have the two fast wide receivers, and, you know, they're, they're piling on the yards, if not not this points and touchdowns so far. So, fantasy-wise, I think Tua is pretty viable this week. I, I'm, I've got a, one league where I've got Jalen Hurts and another where I've, got, uh, where I've got Josh Allen, and I'm hoping I get Tua. We have waivers run later today. 69187 is the text line. First question is just which player should I drop? Melvin Gordon, Joshua Palmer, or Hunter Renfro? You have to find a drop there. That's tough. Uh, I, I, I've been in one league where it's tight enough that I had to drop Renfro during his buy and then like 16 foot big bids on him this coming, this coming week. So, I mean, that tells you that the league at least thinks he's going to be viable again at some point. Eh. I guess Palmer because I think he's got the the least long term value, but I mean it's pretty close with Gordon there too. I mean they said he's starting this week. I don't know what that means. I mean figuring out what's going on with the Broncos right now is pretty difficult to read the tea leaves. Read the tea leaves. Does DeAndre Swift play? I think he plays. Uh, he might be limited in this first game back. You know the thing about Swift is I want to see these practices uh, today and tomorrow because. It was a pretty non-committal statement. He said he's, they're saying he's pushing towards. Um, usually the player coming back from injury, he's got a lot of bravado, right? You know, like, oh, I'm definitely coming back. And it's usually the coach is the medical staff saying, ah, hold on a second there. When the player gives a little bit of a lukewarm response, it always makes you wonder a little bit there. But that's always kind of been the case with Swift, too. So um, I think he plays. But, again, watch the practices this week. That'll tell the story. 69187 is the text line. I like when we get these. This is a trade offer question for you. Wants to know uh, he'd be receiving A.J. Brown and Dalvin Cook and would be giving up Christian McCaffrey. Would you make that trade? Yeah, I absolutely would. I mean, you're giving up this week. That's it. Um, uh, you're, you're getting Brown and, and Cook for the rest of the season. McCaffrey could get traded. He might miss a game because of that. They still have their bye coming up later. It, it'll hurt this week. But 
that that's really good value. I mean, you're giving up a first round pick for another first round pick and a second round pick. And AJ Brown's been playing up above that a little bit too. He's a top ten receiver easily the rest of the year. I think this is a great value. Do it. Six nine one eight seven is the text line. Uh, here's another one for you. Can't believe this is a legit question, but Aaron Rodgers or Jared Goff this week? Rodgers, but yeah, the fact that you have to ask the question is the problem. <laughs> um, you know, good matchup against the Commanders. Of course, we thought it was a good matchup last week against the Jets too. I think the thumb is actually bothering him some. Um, and I also, I mean, they took away Randall Cobb this last week. He might be getting uh, Sammy Watkins back. Uh, he, at least Watkins was designated to return. He hasn't officially been activated yet. Those are two different things. But, you know, the receivers, you took away Adams, and they thought that they could fake it, and they can't so far. 69187 is the text line. If you've got questions for Jeff Erickson from Roto-Wire, he will answer them right now. Just send them into 69187. Uh, Travis Etienne or Ezekiel Elliott? That's a tough one there. Etienne is ascendant. You know, he's getting more and more uh, carries, but Zeke actually looked pretty good last week as well. I've got them 15 and 16 respectively in my rankings this week. Etienne won the spot ahead of Elliott. This is sort of sad, but uh, Robinson from the Giants or Corey Davis? I go Wondell Robinson. Um, scored last week. I The problem with him is, you know, he only played like 15 snaps, but it was his first game back from an injury. I kind of want to see, you know, if that role expands a little bit. Uh, but we're talking about two teams there where the snap share is, I mean, the targets aren't going to be that high. Okay, you got a 30% target share of what, 15 passes? Okay, the percentages don't matter. So I, I would go Robinson on the, in the case of trying to find some plausible upside. What is your expectation on the Cardinals receivers with DeAndre Hopkins coming back and Robbie Anderson getting traded there? I don't think Anderson does much this week, and I'm, I didn't put in for Anderson really in my leagues. I, I, I think he still is. Kind of, I, I need to see it from him before I'm really all that convinced that he's going to do much. I think he takes the top off of defenses by running a lot of go routes, but I don't think he gets targeted all that much, maybe once or twice. Um, I, Hopkins, we haven't seen him yet this year. We know he was starting to decline last year, got hurt a couple of times, uh, but they need him. They need him badly with Marquise Brown out. So I think you're going to see a lot of targets towards Hopkins. I mean, it's a security blanket for Murray. So I've got Hopkins in my top 20 this week. Do you get the idea they're just going to run Josh Jacobs into the ground? Yes, I do. Um, I, I think now one of the things when, you, when you're when you on a, we got a player like that, that A, is running well, and B, they don't have very good alternatives, and C, is going to be a free agent at the end of the year. Why not? They're, they're, you know, they're probably not going to re-sign him in the offseason, so I don't think they have any like desire to preserve him. I think they're just going to, hey, he, he works, and let's get the most out of him that we can. 69187 is the text line if you've got questions for Jeff Erickson. Um, another one, Juju Smith-Schuster or Michael Gallup? Juju. Um, I, you know, he, he really broke out last week against the Bills. I don't think it'll happen every week, but I trust him a lot more than I trust Gallup right now. I don't think Gallup is fully 100% yet. What What's your expectation with Dak, uh, assuming he does come back this week? Playable. Uh, it's a pretty reasonable matchup, although the Lions sometimes have had a good pass rush. Other times they've given up a lot of yards. So, um, you know, he, he was off before he got hurt in week one. Uh, now, I think that was because the uh, offensive line was trying to figure, figure things out. Tyron Smith, remember, got hurt right before the start of the season. And uh, we, we saw that uh, Dak didn't play a whole lot. So I, I think there's some time, some adjustment time. It might be a little choppy this week, but I think he's playable the rest of the way. 
with all the buys, where's Matt Ryan in your rankings? You know, I, I thought he'd be higher, but he's actually still like 15, 16 for me there. Uh, I've got Tannehill and Lawrence ahead of him and, uh, as a point of case, case point. Actually, Daniel Jones, too, because of the running ability. Uh, Eno Benjamin or Tony Pollard? Benjamin, uh, but watch the injury reports. If James Conner plays then you know tonight, then obviously all bets are off with Benjamin. Brian Robinson or Clyde Edwards-Alaire? Uh, Clyde Edwards-Alaire, but it's close. Is uh, Washington's offense going to be good enough to support either in, running back there in Brian Robinson or Antonio Gibson? Yeah, it's tough. They may run the ball more now that uh, Henneke is at the helm with Wentz out. Um, but, yeah, it, it's tough. I mean, I think there's going to be a timeshare. When Ron Rivera talks about, okay, we need to get Gibson more snaps, I mean, first of all, hey, it's entirely under your control. You are the coach. Uh, but, B, you know, th- we've heard this before with Gibson. You know, and the thing I don't trust. Uh, Gibson looked great in week one, you know, throwing, you know, running routes. They, they, you know, they were making some good throws, and they went away from that. Next week, we saw more of J.D. McKissick for reasons. I don't really know why, but, uh, you know, that, that's the problem you run into with that. So, I, I have a, you know, I'm, I've got Gibson in a couple of leagues. I'm not cutting him, but at the same time, I'm not using him. Well, he is Jeff Erickson from Rotowire. Jeff, as always, we appreciate it. Thanks, Jeff. You bet. Take care, guys. So, Jeff Erickson answering your fantasy football questions every Thursday here on the Press Box. Coming up next, we'll get into some NBA because it was the second night of the season. Kick out to Edwards off the Russell, floater in the lane, hit the front rim, no. Time follow by Rudy Gobert up over his head. He tapped it behind him. We're back to the Press Box with Grady and Bischoff. Ed, am I going to regret this? You can talk about the wolves? No, no, no. <laughs> Lindsay told us during yes. the break that she had a good explanation for momentum. In hockey. Do you want to tell us that now? Or do you oh, wanna, it's just you through hockey. It's not that. through everything. Well, no, because I don't think <laughs> that it impacts the game as much as it does in hockey. I okay. think that's why I'm so on the bandwagon for it, because that's my native sport and everything else. But hockey's the only sport where you can stop moving your feet and continue on. Okay. So just that's how momentum <laughs> works. Like you don't have to do. Yes, that is. Yes, that I'm is. I'm just real saying momentum. that's true. That is very true, and that's why everybody hates running because we are so used to being able to stop our feet and glide around and do stuff. So that's why it just explains the unexplained where it gives you gives you an out to be okay with momentum in hockey terms. Because I know I'm not going to get you guys uh, on any other <laughs> channel. I I believe in oh, momentum. there's momentum because you can slide on ice. Yeah, literally, it's car- you. You've done the work, and now it's carrying you. It's literally carrying you <laughs> yeah, around. Yeah, yes. Momentum is real from like a physics standpoint. Correct. There's no denying. There's that. an energy. Momentum yes. is not real. Where Logan Thompson makes a good save, and it means the Golden Knights are going to go momentum. score in the next shot. No, it doesn't mean it automatically. <laughs> but the inspiration is there, and it is up to the players themselves to take hold of that little fleeting moment. And sometimes they do, and sometimes they don't. It's up to the well, players. Well, at eight thirty, you're gonna well. someone's going to agree with you because Darren Millar oh, yeah. is a. Big now I now I when I listen oh to them talk and I listen oh. to all the hockey broadcasts every time I hear it I'm like I'm this is what Pavlov wanted right now I'm just like second guessing it every second. Shane Knighty said it the other night. Yeah, it's they part. It momentum. is part of hockey culture. It is part of hockey culture because there's unexplainable and you guys got to get okay with it. The Pelicans blew out the Nets yesterday. A lot of momentum for Zion Williamson. Uh, he actually played in a game. Uh, scored 25 points. wasn't super efficient. 11 of 22. Uh, but it was a blowout win for 
New Orleans. Ben Simmons also played. Ben Simmons played 23 minutes, scored four points, and fouled out. Just coming back from things. Yeah. He's just coming back from things. Come okay. on. Okay. Let's give uh, him a break. One game in. Are the Nets any good? Well, one game in, we know Kyrie's not playing 82. Because he had 15 of 6 of 19. He might not be playing in the next game. You know what? I didn't play that well. I think I'm going to sit this one out. That would be great if he just yeah, starts missing games. Eh, he plays didn't play that well. He did not shoot well at all. Um, I'm so, so I'm curious on both the sides of this. Obviously, with the Nets, when you have Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, you have the potential to be a contender, right? It's there when you have Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. How much are you getting of those two? And what is Ben Simmons? Is Ben Simmons a useful player? Conceivably, he should be. Be really good defensively. Be a good passer. Be a good rebounder. And Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving can do the scoring, right? Conceivably, Ben Simmons should fit really well with those two. But it feels like we're expecting something to happen with the Nets that we've never seen that happen. We have since they both went there. Right. They expected to be in the Eastern Conference final competing for a title and it just hasn't right. occurred. We have not seen this work. We have not seen right. Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving. It has not worked. And again, didn't work with Harden. Right. The thought process is that well they're they're all good, so it should work, but we haven't seen it. And I think that expectation is going to be there the whole season, but I think it's going to be fair to say eh, we haven't seen this. And until they actually Start doing it. There's no reason to think the Nets, if they get in as the seven seed or whatever, to think they're actually going to do anything in the postseason. Now, the Pelicans. There's a team we haven't seen it from either. How good can the Pelicans be? Well, I, how good is he going to be? Is I, he going to stay healthy? I feel like I'm ready to get swept yeah. up in yes. in Pelicans being ridiculously good. Like CJ McCollum is like, a good player. Contending in the West, so. Zion, he was 11 to 22. His field goal percentage wasn't first great. game bad, right? You're like you're Zion just gets to the rim whenever he wants, so you're expecting right. him to shoot like 20 of 22. Right. But Brandon Ingram is also excellent, stud, and the Pelicans have a lot of assets. Yeah. Like the Pelicans can go make a trade for a significant piece. I don't know who's going to be available, but for a significant piece, they're obviously not going to be. Uh, the Golden State Warriors, or maybe even the Clippers level. But I might be buying into the Pelicans as a top four team in the West. Like, it's one game and I'm overreacting, but give me give me a month or two, and I might be all in on the Pelicans as a top four yeah. team in the West. I'm trying to, I'm trying to, I'm looking at the roster in terms of who they'd give up for that kind of trade. Oh, they got picks. They don't have to give up anybody on the oh, roster. Oh, you're asking about the, oh, you're saying, you're saying give up picks. Yeah, they player. got picks. Give up the picks and go get, if a star player becomes available. Again, I don't know who exactly it would be, but if a good player, if like whatever, Damian Lillard or Bradley Beal or whatever became available and they can go get somebody of that level, that could be enough to make them an actual contender. I, Way in over my head after one game, but I think there's some real potential. You're doing the a hot take. Good. Yeah. Nothing wrong with that. I think they, they've got some potential to be really good. Um, did you He's see? He's got to stay healthy, though. He does. Uh, yes, that's that's. He has to stay healthy. When I sit here and say we haven't seen it with the Nets since they got Kyrie and KD, we haven't seen Zion Williamson be healthy. Right. So if they if Zion, you know, in two months is out for three straight weeks or something, then you're like, all right, that sounds nice and all, but they're not doing anything. Uh, did you see the Grizzlies and Knicks? No, I did not, but I'm reading here that John Morant had 34 and they had to go OT to beat him. So the Knicks actually had a pretty good comeback to force overtime here. 
the Grizzlies had a chance tie game into the fourth quarter to win it. And they drew up a nice play. John Morant got uh, drive driving into the paint and Jalen Brunson took a charge See it on see it. John Morant. And I don't know if I love that that's called a charge or hate that that's called a charge. I'm looking at it right now. I think it was a charge. It, oh, it's 100% the right call. Right. Nailed the call. But here, here's what I hate about the charge in basketball. We are okay with it's a It's a legitimate defensive strategy to say, I'm going to get run over. Right. That's stupid. That should not be a legitimate defensive strategy to just say, I'm going to get run over and get rewarded. That we That's anti-athleticism. Sacrifice. Right? That's anti-athleticism. But given the rules of the game and that we know it is, what a play by Jalen Brunson. It was incredible. Like, he's, what a he's, play. He's, he's off the ball guarding, comes all the way over into the key, takes it. And in that scenario, it's the only way the Knicks get to overtime. John, like, the Grizzlies yeah, had a John great Morant play. John Morant makes the shot. Yeah. Grizzlies had a great play. John Morant gets yeah. effect. I mean, if Jalen Brunson tries to play him straight up, John Morant scores yeah. over Jalen. He's not a good defender. John Morant scores. Hell, he scored on this anyways. He scored off. Yeah. yeah it didn't count. He, but he, the he made it. But that's the only way the Knicks win that game. So it's a great play by Brunson, but I hate that because... It was a legitimate and the best strategy for him to just say, eh, run me over, and I'm going to get the yeah. call. I think that's stupid in basketball, but it was a good play. Grizzlies end up winning anyway because um, John Morant's incredible. He's amazing. God, him and can we get a Grizzlies-Pelicans playoff series and oh. we can just watch Ja and Zion go just one-on-one on one the awesome. whole game? Yeah. I'm on board for that.